uh, I like that Bloodhound Gag track. Which one? Oh no, hooray for boobies! They do like there's a the, the cough that came with a prize. It's just for fucking ten seconds. And you're like, <laughs> serious? Well, yeah, baby, we're back. Alan Parsons Project. The only thing we do is come back. That's what happens in between episodes. We go away. We come back. Yeah. And we're here. And now, your starting lineup. The starting lineup of the Philadelphia 76. I mean, the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> um, who's your favorite 90s Chicago Bull? Scotty Pippen. Bold. Is it? I guess not. Yeah. It's like 1A He's, and 2A. Yeah. <laughs> Is this joke? Are we at an end? With, yeah, I feel like that's enough of the. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, do like do an intro or something. Uh, 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 welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I'm Dan Lyons. I'm Dan Enden. I thought you had a new one. I thought, I thought you, I thought the, all the time that we spent Yo, in listen, between listen, these two episodes, you've been cooked up a new look, one? Look, look, how many options I had for new ones. I picked a random one and it ended up being the same fucking sound. Oh, what are the odds? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode eight. Holy shit! Holy shit! Of the Movie Blues podcast. That's a ship coming into the barge. That's a vuvuzela. Uh, right. A what? A vuvuzela. A vuvuzela. God bless you. Somehow, word that's not Yiddish. <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, people, guess what? This is our Stephen King episode. Oh shit! Um, Stephen King. Damn. Has a lot of new content coming out. Yeah. Um. It's fucking, the people have king fever. The people have king fever, uh, and some of the prescription is good, and some yeah. of it is bad. Surprised there hasn't been a new fucking Cujo movie with fucking uh, Will Smith do, playing the don't dog. Don't say it out loud, because when you say things out loud, it just puts them yeah. into the ether. Yeah. Will Smith is the dog, though. Directed by Jordan Peele. Uh, Will yeah. Smith is the dog, but using the CGI technology of, of cats. cats. Yeah, this yes, is what I'm saying. Exactly. Okay, well, it looks yeah. like we have a new pitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, today... We are going to explore um, not only Stephen King's work, we're going to explore Pet Cemetery, which is a movie that we watched and we're going to talk about and we had opinions about. And maybe, Dan, I'm not sure, but maybe this will be the time when we both liked a movie. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it won't, though. Maybe. I'll try not to be too disappointed. Baby. Maybe, baby. Um, so... Uh, I really want to start off with stuff about Stephen King and such, but instead, we're going to do a little uh, segment called Corrections. Oh, um, now, basically... Do you have a musical cue for this new segment? I do. Do you? And it, in and of itself, my friend, is a correction. Right now, 
Here comes the music from Detective Pikachu, the drum and bass scene that I didn't edit into the episode. God damn it. Here we go, one, two, three. Critical hit! Additional Okay, it's playing in yeah. the background. Wow, this was worth it, yeah. was it not? Dude, Here we are. I was severely disappointed. Um, basically, uh, Dan and I, I mean, I can only really speak for myself. Um, I'm a deluded uh, introvert, and I'm listening to my own <laughs> podcast all the time, depending on what I'm doing. I also have a lot of time during the day at my job to listen to podcasts, so I'll throw mine on every now and then, and... Um, probably account for like a quarter of our listens no big deal yeah. every um, now and then i monitor the listens and during dan's work day the graph spikes every day <laughs> straight up folks um and in those journeys i picked up some corrections that i wanted to make because and i can't even believe this we're not always right yeah. about things see i would have presented it as, as our producer found some corrections for us uh, yeah but you know I'm trying to be a little you're, you're always you're always be transparent. You're always like ruining our fucking like movie magic. The mystery. Like I was like I was like, we're in the studio and you're like, yeah, we're in this decrepit bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, at our new studio, you can say, uh, we're in the studio and feel a little bit better about it. It'll be a decrepit basement instead. Yeah. Um so, um, I, in combing through our material, I guess I've come upon a couple things I wanted to address. Um, I asked Dan to look some up himself. He did not, but uh, maybe <laughs> uh, maybe the next time we do this, uh, he will. You take asked the me torch. like two days ago. How much yeah. time did I have well, I to listen? To maybe fucking... you had some stuck in your head because I, these aren't ones that I, I like, had ones, searched out. I had ones that I had in my head for weeks, and then that was weeks ago. Yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. long. I haven't they're listened. I haven't listened to the 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 vault of episodes um, since okay. we have a breadth. Of content, we we do have a bread, <laughs> a bread, a loaf of bread. Th. Did you notice in the movie we watched last week, uh, the where his uh, where the father is talking about the daughter that he loves, and he talks about her like breadth of knowledge, but it sounds like he says breast, and it was like also he did say breast. No, he said breadth. It was like a joke. He was like he was like talking about her breasts. That was the joke. It was a Freudian slip. Nice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I did not notice that. Sick. Um, <laughs> I did not notice that. Um, so, uh, as as for corrections, uh, something minor first to lead off. Um, I introduced some segment at some point called Showdown, uh, where we then started talking about, oh, let's let's play some music in the background. Let's play some Showdown music. Right. Right. Um, I had said that um, Sergio Leone was the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, no. Yes, Sergio Leone um, was the person who made all that classic. I believe my response was short. Yes, it was kind of a tepid, half cocked. Maybe I know what I'm talking about. I'll just agree. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> it turns out that Ennio Morricone is the person who makes all of that music, uh, who actually did the score for Hateful Eight as well. Um, sure. And is that famous Italian composer, whereas Sergio Leone is the director of the good and bad and the ugly and yada yada yada. So sure. s- slight slight veering off from the from the truth. And I feel like what made it what bothered me most about it is that um, his name is Sergio Leone, so it's like an Italian name and it right. sounded really pretentious. Right. So, you know, if I would have fucked up on a guy named Bob Smith, sure, that yeah. wouldn't have bothered me <laughs> right. so much. It would have been like John Smith. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But this is like I went out of my way to like use an accent and say something and yeah. then totally was never able to yeah. double back. You were trying to like drop some fucking knowledge. 
Um, <laughs> correct. You were like, oh, that was an Ingar Berman joint. Yes, that was a that was an Ingi Bergy joint. <laughs> um, so um, that is my first correction. I hope you enjoyed that. I love it. Um, Wait, should we have like now? I have this thing. Should we have like a? a... All right, next correction. That's great. I just maybe don't hold it so close <laughs> to the microphone. Um, your bugle is just so large. You know what I mean. I don't want it. Yes. I don't want it blowing our listeners. I don't want your bu- bugle blowing people. The away. name of this app is Girthy Bugle. No. <laughs> you really have me going. Um, okay. So these ramp up in severity. Okay. Okay. So um, all right. The next correction, um, and you're gonna have to follow me on this one. Okay. All right. The next correction is for this discussion that we kind of had about this movie. Okay. Um, uh, while you were getting like really horny and like going nuts about this movie, uh, you had started. Are you making... gonna say what movie it is? Oh, the Power Rangers movie. Yeah. Sorry. Well, this is in our De- Detective Pikachu episode. Yeah. Uh, we started. Dan started endlessly going on about the Power Rangers movie, how great it was. It's pretty um, good. Uh, one thing that you brought up and seemed extremely confident of was that um, uh, was that uh, you know the Power Rangers movie was a quote no bullshit uh, you know movie with that was just about the Power Rangers had no family drama where some kid is looking for their daddy like Detective Pikachu yeah where in fact the plot about the kid where in fact. I even joked and said if they made a movie like that today, it would be out, be about, quote, some random kid looking for his dad. <laughs> End quote. Um, but in fact, there is a kid whose yeah. dad is missing. The character's name is Fred Kelman. His dad's not missing. Listen, listen. He knows where his dad okay, is. Listen. His dad's possessed by listen, Ivan Ooze's fucking... You gotta work. He got ooze on his face. You gotta work with me here. You know this is working. So right. just let it happen. A, li- right. a little suspension of disbelief. Right. However, <laughs> this character, Fred Kelman, like I had said had never been in the show, was a new character yeah. invented for this movie who was a random kid whose daddy had been kidnapped by Ivan Ooze at the quarry and he, he and a whole town of kids had to go find their parents. How, how did you, how, like, did you remember this for the movie or were you, like, reading about the Power Rangers movie? Uh, this is, like, a subsection of my brain that works on <laughs> problems like this. It just, like, stuck with me and, and I was thinking about it and I was like, wait, like, there was a kid who was like, yeah. oh, where's my dad? Yeah. Like, I gotta go so, find my poppy. And... So, when you just said that right now, I had forgotten about it until just now, but during that conversation, later on in the conversation, I had thought about that. I was like, fuck, I hope that doesn't get noticed by anyone. Oh, Luckily, no one gives us feedback, so... Well, um, that leads us to our newest segment, which I didn't even tell you about. Wait, you only have you only have two? Hold on, no, I have one more, but right. we're, we're going to double back. Our newest segment that we're going to do is user feedback. Uh, today, our user feedback is... That's the end of the skit, y'all. Thank you for participating in user feedback. Um... <laughs> Guys, leave us some feedback. I'm not talking about just Steve and Polly. I know you guys love this, but I need a little more from the Frills people. Watching. I mean, you listen to it more than anyone else, and you haven't written anything. I wrote on. I told you I wrote under Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here's the final final correction okay. that we have on today's docket. All right, this one's going to get a little personal. Okay, this is technically I have it written down as personal argument correction. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I could get to be such a dick as a creative project. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> personal argument correction. Okay. Now, again, 
there are some strands here. I'm pulling some strands. Okay. I'm not fully like confident in what I'm about to say to you, but uh, I've been thinking about it, and I'm ready to go on this. Right. Um, you said <laughs> the other day to me in an argument. <laughs> Wait, so this isn't something that happened on the show? No. What? <laughs> Dude, I told you. Okay. The segment is personal argument correction. Okay. All right. Like an argument that you and I personally had in our own free time. Okay. Um, but it, it's it's related to the show. All right. The audience is going to connect with this one. All right, good. Um, a couple days ago, you said to me in an argument that you didn't pick a movie since Yoga Hosers. <laughs> <laughs> now, you use that kind of like the, the sword to fall on. It was really sad. You were like, I, and, I'm, and I'm always trying to figure out, even though I would argue that I'm probably the main host of the show, how to give you the inclusion that you're so seeking. <laughs> um, uh, you said you didn't pick a movie since Yoga Hosers, but we watched Detective Pikachu. And now, while it wasn't in theaters the way that you wanted it, we never would have watched it without your initial interest. So that's pretty close to being your choice, okay? The same can be said about Pet Cemetery, which you said, quote, we should do an ep on this. It was my favorite book in, what, high school or? Elementary school. And you wrote a report on it or? Yeah. And you were like, we should do that. And I was like, absolutely. That's not really my idea. I don't, so, I don't feel that's how that went okay, down. Okay, well, I might rewrite history a little bit here, but... <laughs> I, I don't feel that's how that went well, down then you'll well. have to do that in your correction segment next yeah, time. Yeah, um, I'm about to correct Furthermore, for the Pet Cemetery episode, I gave you the option between several episode topics that we could do, <laughs> and you chose Pet Cemetery. I consider that, statistically, at least half a request, or 75%. Now, with Crawl included, you have technically picked four out of seven of our movies, with my picks being 007, Book of Henry, which while I picked was a natural progression of an ongoing conversation, and Godzilla. So there. <laughs> Thank you. That has been the correction segment. Would you agree with that, la- that, sent- that paragraph? Yeah, I knew it when I said it. Oh, uh, okay. I just wanted to watch this movie. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah. Cool. No. I'm glad we're on the same The truth page. is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cover your ass now, was, god damn it. It was more like I said it, and then after I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I guess that's not really You're true. You're like, I'm just laying that down, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, and I, I, you know, you've picked four of seven of the movies. I was thinking about, um, I realized after the fact I was thinking about Ravenous, when I didn't realize that I also made you watch a movie that day. <laughs> yes, and I don't think it had the impact on me that Ravenous okay, did. Okay, but in my defense... Mm. Your reasoning for not wanting to see Crawl was that mm-hmm. you thought it was going to be good and not make a good podcast, and that was the same exact thing that happened fucking last time. But that this honestly, that episode was me like the Crawl was me reaching to be funny a little bit because in all actuality, I would maybe amend my score. I think I gave it a five point five. Yeah. It's really like a six in the sense that like it's just like an okay horror movie. It had some pluses and some minuses, like. The fact that the only human element in it was so stupid and so ham-fisted and, like, directly from This Is Us, a show I've never seen and have no idea what the plot of is. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I think I'm going to amend that to a six. But, right. but uh, yeah, all we've watched is terrible movies and you've picked more than half of them. So I've, uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about 
what are becoming like very re- very recurring themes on the podcast mm-hmm. and this is us was at the top of that list when i've been thinking I've about mentioned it. it once a fucking episode Dude, i should start watching it huh i said one time like four years three years ago that i enjoyed the show this is us and since then there hasn't been a day that we've spoken that you haven't found a way to bring it up <laughs> is that how this began yeah it was before the disco biscuits we were at your old house with noah Oof. and someone brought up this is us you were making fun of the commercial and i was like no it's a pretty good show and like you were like, no, it isn't. I was like, no, it's pretty good, but it's pretty emotionally manipulative. And that was like the extent of it. And that was like three years ago. And since then, it's been constant. The fact that you remember that makes me feel like I emotionally wounded you at some level. So <laughs> mission accomplished, bud. <laughs> the thing is, is that it's a good show, though. Okay. My, I, mean, I wanted I'm to, sure lots you know of what? women think that that's I, true. I, uh, I, was, I was listening to the podcast a few weeks ago, and I was thinking, I listened to one of your many This Is Us jokes, and I was like, you know what, Milo Ventimiglia is fucking delightful in that show, he was great in Gossip Girl. Holy fuck. And Heroes. And, Holy yeah, shit. And okay, He's, he's right. a good guy. He seems, he, seems, he seems like we'd be friends. You, like, I feel like he'd like me. You, ju- you just turned a dumpster worth of content <laughs> over my head. I don't even know where to begin with that. Gossip Girl was in there somewhere? Yeah, I haven't actually seen that, but Kat tells me that he's oh. in that show as well. Rachel and I started the revival of Gossip Girl uh, in hopes that I would get into it and then watch the old show. Uh, that didn't happen. Nice. I have one more thing to report to you, actually, um, in terms of things that didn't happen. Um, I've stopped watching Twin Peaks. <laughs> cool. I, 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 like, so I wasn't trying to influence you, but like, I've never finished Twin Peaks. I've started it seven me times in my yeah, life. I mean, I have too. It's like, uh, it's, it's a Sorry, y'all. I didn't make it to the Showtime one, but um, I hear it's very good. <laughs> I watched the movie when I was younger. Just ten out of it ten, was fucking crazy. Ten out of ten potential golden guns for something I may never reach. Um, <laughs> um, is this a truck backing up sound, you, dude? You gotta like really think about it before you press the button. I thought it was gonna be more of like the sound of the actual vehicle moving, like. A <laughs> Because there's multiple options of trucks backing up, so I thought if I picked one of the latter ones, it wouldn't be the... Well, it wasn't. It wasn't, so, uh, you know. This is like the, the yeah. horn they played to round up the Jews or something? <laughs> Jesus. It is. I th- yeah, I mean, it was, called, oh, right. it was called Oscar Schindler. The app is called Jew Roundup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> On that extremely dark and morbid... And that's day. this week's episode yeah. of the Podcast. That's it, guys. Um, okay, I think uh, I've got all my bags unpacked. I'm feeling pretty comfy. I think I'm ready to go into Pet Cemetery. It's How do Kang, you feel about it's it? Kang time. It's Kang time. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's Stephen Kang time. It's Stephen Kang time. We're in Kang territory now, son. No. It's oh, you like, read that Kang boy? Kang. Stephen Kang. Yeah. yeah. Shining like That's Steve. not the vibe I was going this, for. This is my Holly Hunter accent. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, it is. Stephen yeah. Kang. Wow. You're damn right. That's what that accent is. Thanks, guys. Nice. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Yeah. Um, Talk s- about uh, relevant. <laughs> <laughs> People have been clamoring for a fucking Holly Hunter accent. <laughs> well, try it here, sweetheart. My mom loved that joke in 1997. <laughs> Your mom loved a lot of jokes in 1997, I'll tell you. Yeah, and all of them came from Allie McBeal. <laughs> I... From whatever I know about you, whatever little shreds I've gathered, uh, make me think that you're the kind of person that's seen every episode of Allie McBeal. I've seen a lot of them, for sure. True, true, true. Um, okay, Got well, the series on my hard drive. I think we've embarrassed ourselves <laughs> enough for the first uh, opening of our show here. Yeah, um, so the, we're going to give Allie McBeal a comfortable seven and a half golden guns. Um, yeah, and now it's time to head into our Kang special. <laughs> <laughs> Sweetheart. <laughs> now it's getting kind of like... 
the creepy old man from Family Guy. Oh, I was thinking it was like the creepy old man from uh, Pet Cemetery, 1989. <laughs> was that when the first one was made? I think so. Okay, that's when, no, that's when the book was made. I think the first. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna listen to it from the fucking corrections department next week. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Cemetery. Cue music. Okay, so um, Pet Cemetery. Um, uh, I think what we're going to start with is basically um, talking about our relationship to Pet Cemetery as a concept, um, each individually. Um, we'll talk about our relationship with King bef- after Pet Cemetery when it's time to go into all his stuff. Are we, but let's are we just done start with the, the Kang thing. Where we've left that behind. Uh, you know, we'll pick it up in threads. Right. Um, so, um, uh, what would you say, Dan? I mean, you've already said it on the podcast, but. Quick, quick reiteration of what your relationship with Pet Cemetery is. I like it. Okay. No, I read it. Uh, I read it when I was nine years old for, hmm. for a book report. It was probably one of the first like adult. I guess it probably was the first like adult book that I read. And what did your teacher think about you at nine years old doing that book? She uh, she told me midway through the process when she was checking in, because I think it was like our first book report, she was like, no, don't do that. And I was like, cool. And then I went home and my, dad was, later, and my dad was like, what are you talking about? Like, no, like you're reading the book. Like, I bought you the book, read the book. Like, <laughs> he was like, what do you mean your teacher? Your te- dad's only seeing data signs. <laughs> no, he was just like your, te- like, your teacher's going to tell you not to read the book. Like, you actually read in your free time like most kids don't. Like, fuck her. Like, read whatever you want. Like that's that's a, what's up. I'm with your dad here because I, I did similar things throughout school and film school where I picked things that were like <laughs> yeah. really fucked up and like I, I wrote a report uh, in college in a semiotics class, which is a speech communication thing. Wrote a report about this movie Inside, which is the truly the most brutal horror movie of all time, and like made my teacher read a twenty-page report about a movie she would never in a thousand years watch. Yeah, yeah. And I got a good grade on it, but it like made me pretty embarrassed to think about like <laughs> it's, it's like the movie-themed bar mitzvah version of the college thesis. Yeah, um, it's yeah, pretty yeah. stupid. Um, <laughs> okay, so you liked the book as a kid, and yeah. what did you think about the nineteen eighty-nine movie? Give me a Golden Guns rating. Like three. Like I three yeah, I hated it yeah I really I really hate that movie really yeah the only good part of that movie is fucking Herman Monster right yeah I mean okay I mean I haven't seen it in a long time but like I, I suspect it wouldn't go more than like a five it now. is not one of the best Stephen King films it is not I just find it close to find one of the worst boring um I yeah, also, I mean, I guess on the scale, you know what? There are some really fucking bad Stephen King movies. Oh, so I yeah. guess, like, if those are one, I guess Pet Cemetery can't be yeah, like a it's, three. It's but. in the top um, of, I'd say, like, the older Stephen King movies. It's in the top, maybe, 
10 to 15 of the older ones that like came out in the 80s, 70s, 80s, I mean, and 90s. That's only like 25 movies, so being in the top know, 15 yeah. isn't great. I know. It's not one of the best. It's it's not one of the best, but I, I like it. I think it has several really decent elements. I would give it a six or a six and a half, probably. Okay. Um, uh, I would say the death of the baby uh, of Gage yeah. uh, in that film is very effective yeah. and is shot very effectively and is uh, the grief is palpable in that film um, and uh, the effects are just okay and the acting is honestly just okay. Um, the guy who played Judd Crandall from Herman, you know, from the monsters that yeah. you mentioned, um, he's absolutely fantastic. I mean, iconic. Yeah, that's a good story, a good walk. I'll take you up there sometime. Tell you the story too. I get him fixed while you. Fixed cat don't tend to wander. He's all the time crossing back and forth on that road. His luck'll run out. Well, I'll take it under advisement. Meantime, Doc, here's your bones. Hello, Lewis. Afraid you may have a spot of trouble here. Judd. What trouble? Well, there's a dead cat over here on the edge of my lawn. Oh, Jesus. I think it might be your daughter's. Maybe there's a better way. The place we're going is on the other side of that. What is this place? This was their burial ground. Whose burial ground? Big Mac Indians. It's enough for it to be considered good king. I mean, that's good. We're and, and by the end of this episode, I think we'll really be able to realize that, that it's one of the better ones. It has a sequel, which I had on VHS. I watched yeah. last year with Edward Furlong. Yeah, it sure does have Edward Furlong. Um, and Clancy Brown in one of Clancy Brown's best performances I've ever seen him in. So if you're just like a huge Clancy Brown fan and want to see him go literally like Nick Cage levels of bonkers, you should... Watch that movie. It's also just... It's been so long since I've seen it. Is he Edward Furlong's dad? He's like the cop. Like, is he like the abusive he's, dad? He's like the abusive stepdad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he dies and is brought back and lives with the family like a zombified. Right, right. And they do great practical effects on him. Movie. Dude, that movie is terrible. I mean, yeah, it's terrible, but it's also funny. It's harrowing. Yeah, for sure. Um, not in a good way. Yeah. It's, um, like harrowing and how bad it is. Yeah. Um, but, um... Yeah, uh, dude. Don't get me wrong, it's no Boondock Saints 2 All Saints Day. <laughs> it's no Zoolander 2. I didn't see that. <laughs> so bad. Oh my god, that movie is so bad. It's so sad, too, because I think Zoolander is just such a classic. Zoolander is so fucking funny. Um, Welcome to Zoolander cast. Um, so, um, I guess we both are kind of tepid on it. Um, now, I read the book... Uh, about a year and a half ago. I uh, don't know if I had ever read it when I did my initial... As a kid, uh, I went to the Paperback Trader store in Pennsylvania on uh, 73 near Lansdale. Shout out. And I would buy tons of Stephen King books, and I was blowing through them. I know that I read it at some point, but I reread it about a year and a half ago, and it, it holds up as one of the darker and more emotional um, Stephen King books and i really connected with it this time around i thought it was a really good book um i loved in the book all the talk of the wendigo in the forest which is the spirit that's kind of causing this mayhem and is in the book walking around and he hears trees crunching all around him and it's kind of a folksy horror movie i mean a horror novel and 
I think that it deserved kind of like a folksy adaptation. Something. What do you What do you think are the odds? Sorry. What do you think are the odds that out of now, I guess this is eight episodes of the Movie Blues podcast, the Wendigo would have come up twice. Hmm. That's a quarter of the times. Statistically, that seems unlikely. The problematic thing about the Wendigo is it's like <laughs> such a nebulous uh, mythological yeah. element that different authors give it different. Yeah. Um, Did you ever play the game uh, Until Dawn? No. You would love it. It's like a horror movie that you play, basically, starring Hayden Pedieri. But, okay. but they make a... Oh, right. I remember seeing yeah, that. Yeah. It's like you're playing like a horror movie for like 12 hours. It's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the wind, the point is the Wendigo is a huge part of it. Hmm. So I give a 10 out of 10 to the video game Until Dawn. Sounds cool. I give a 1 out of 10 to the sequel where it's a virtual reality <laughs> roller coaster experience. I'm not what? quite sure what that's about. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, Next week. So uh, I think we go pod. What was your like Wendigo Dan mashup? Dandigo. Dandigo. <laughs> but when, then I was thinking Wendango? that would be like a character that fucking the, that the, would be in like Grindhouse. How about the Wendango? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that. Wendango. Wendango. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, like, a, like a, what was that like Lizard Johnny Depp movie? Like Rango. Rango. Yeah. What the was sequel. that fucking movie? <laughs> was that directed by... No. No. I don't know, but Johnny Depp was a cowboy lizard. Yeah, that was the beginning of the end for him, I think. Or did people like that movie? I, I saw it. Was it was like Fear and Loathing with a Lizard, right? I don't he remember. He like looked like Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I watched it. I don't remember that shit about so it, though. That's fucking weird. That's <laughs> pretty weird. That would, like, that would be if like Marlon Brando did an animated movie about like a dog that is also a godfather. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say where it's like uh, it's exists? like Cars the movie, but it's like a street cars named Desire. Oh, dude, what all dogs go to heaven is such a good movie. Oh yeah, I don't know what it's made you think of that, but I agree. Talking about dog mob bosses because there's like oh, a, oh yeah, there's like, <laughs> there's like many dog didn't, mob elements in did, that movie. Did, is, is that the movie where like everyone involved with it died, or is that Land Before Time? You know what I'm talking about? There's like a curse. yeah, there's some curse. I don't know. No, I mean I know about the cult, curse of the Poltergeist movies. Yeah, that, that's no, some real no shit. I think there's one where it's like all dogs go to heaven, like. All the kids who are actors die tragically as children. I don't remember. It's either that or the dinosaur one. I'm pretty sure it's All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, that's another thing for you to bring up on your corrections, bud. Yeah. Now you have two things you'll have to come back through for. No, for sure. I'm going to talk about it uh, this time. Okay. Um, so uh, let's um, kick into gear and talk about 2019's um, Pet Cemetery and Will this be the first movie that we like in this podcast um why do i even ask that out loud anymore who cares um should we lead off with what do we want to do i mean how do we want to crack this egg am i making this up i can't find anything about a curse for either of those animated movies am i just fucking yeah i I think i think that's a mandela effect moment you're seeing from the that's what i'm feeling like yeah um let's let's start with things that we liked about this movie oh wait no i got it hold on one of the children actors from uh, from Land Before Time, the voice actresses, was murdered by her father, shot to death in her home in a murder-suicide with her mother. Damn. Yeah. You mean she went extinct? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> nice. I thought that I was, was re- quick. I thought I was retiring. You were quick but, with it. Yeah. Um... Uh, <laughs> let's lead off with just let's say let's be positive 
about which, uh, which are things that I always, which is a thing that I always say right before I really lose my yeah, mind. Yeah, you about didn't a movie. do it last week. Um, let's be positive about this movie and yeah. talk about the things that we liked. Okay, uh, John Lithgow was fucking amazing. I do not agree at all. Really, mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I don't know if I want to get into that because I want to stay positive. So go ahead, you wow. say your positives. All right, that's all I had. I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I, my first note says Lithgow rules. Okay. I wrote in spray paint like Bart Simpson. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see. What else do I... Forced foreshadowing? No. Unfortunate pacing? No. <laughs> You're telling me unfortunate pacing isn't a positive? <laughs> I have one of my notes that says, Wendigo. <laughs> okay. That was pretty blazed. All right. Let me, let me say what I found effective. All okay. Right. Um, uh, uh, and uh, just, just to... I'll do it after. All right, anyway, um, uh, what I found effective about it, the dead girl effects in it were kind of good at points. Um, oh, the, uh, the... And they were super effective and tasteful the at sister first. The sister spinal meningitis was pretty grotesque. I do not agree, and I'll talk about that as well. <laughs> um, I loved Church, the cat. was a, a very good makeup job on the dead cat. It looked very convincing, and that cat looked very menacing. Yeah. Um, in the original movie, the cat was kind of silly. Um, this and in the book they got it right from the book that the cat is very menacing and I also thought the cat was silly in this one I okay. feel the exact opposite okay yeah well obviously I, we have a few yeah, of that what's happening um, and um, um, that's it <laughs> right. that is it you're laughing at me having no example that's it yeah. um, now um, uh, <sighs> fucking hell <laughs> I'm going to start by talking about John this Lithgow. This is the first time I've start... looked at any of my notes since I watched the movie. I'm going to start by talking about John Lithgow, right. okay? And I'm going to explain exactly what does not work about John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Um, so let's get past the biggest roadblock in the elephant in the room, which is that the original performance was fantastic, okay? okay? In the book, Judd Crandall as a character has a couple things different about him than this movie, okay? Many. Um First of those things is that he has a wife who's yes. alive, who in the original movie, I believe, is also alive. No, she's not in the... I don't, oh, yeah. No, she is in she, the original she, movie, I but for like is. a second. For a like, second. It's like a tangential Regardless. Yeah, she it exists. grounds that character and gives him a certain heart. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is evident in the book and a little bit more in the first iteration of the movie is that Judd Crandall as a character is very good friends with Lewis, yes. the main character, and he's a mentor... And he's a trusted friend, and he's a person that Lewis looks up to, despite the fact that he's a, a yokel and a local guy. Um, in the book, he has a tremendous main accent. In the original film, he has an iconic accent that has been parodied by South Park and yeah. Simpsons alike. And Lithgow talked about it, though. Yeah, Lithgow did not do the accent, which I found just stupid. I just don't like... Here's the thing about this movie... The changes that were made between book to movie and film of both movies, the changes that this movie chose to make were retarded. Yeah, like, yeah. No, I agree. Entirely literally hard R. retarded. Yeah. Um, and one of them was having Judd, instead of being this um, patriarch figure, right. um, be a drunk, slovenly shitpile who looked like a fucking melted potato... And they made him look, I mean, they made him look absolutely okay, awful. but hold on, hold on, hold on. What you're talking about are flaws with the movie, not with John Lithgow. This was well, your response to me saying his performance listen, was his, good. 
I don't. I couldn't tell because to me, he's doing a performance that betrays the point of the character. So whether he wanted to stop it or whether the director wrote it that way, I, his performance was negligible to me because I'm looking at it as what made this character work. Right. And so I guess it's from a writing perspective if you want to look at it like that. And Judd as a character in this movie did not work, so I could not focus really on his performance. Imagine the same role given to Lithgow, but properly adapted right. with heart and soul and that accent and the fatherly figure to Lewis as well as the fatherly figure to the kids and the family. I mean, he's someone that the wife relies on in the book who takes care of the kids from right. now and then, who's very close to the family. And what works about it there is that when he says it's time to bury your cat in the pet cemetery to Lewis, Lewis agrees with him because he trusts him fully. Yes. As a drunk weirdo who lives next door to him in this movie, it doesn't make sense that Lewis trusts him ever, and their relationship doesn't ring true, so it doesn't make sense why he listens to him at all. Yeah. And he's drunk and is falling asleep all over the place. He's like, he's drunk uncle in this movie, and it's just... That's not who the character is, and it didn't work yeah. as a result of it. You were like, when you you saw the amount of my notes earlier, you're like, is that fucking all of it? Like, mm-hmm. half of it was all of that, what you just said. So, now we don't have to tackle all of that. Yeah, so. that, that is yeah. a huge... It's be- fucking That's insane. one of the several huge betrayals so, of character and book pickups yeah. that did not work. This is the only time I can think of in recent memory where I feel that this movie needed to be longer to be effective. Yes. Like... Yes. It was so... Like... Pets the first act could have been another 20 yeah. minutes of development. We're constantly talking on the show about forced human element, whereas Pet Cemetery to me, is it 100%, like, human element. Yes. What this movie wanted to do was be, like, a horror movie-paced, jump-scare-filled fucking thing. Like, why are there jump scares in Pet Cemetery, dude? Like, Let me say the most, I think maybe the most important thing that I have to say, literally, in this whole episode, not only about this movie, but as about King in general, okay? What makes the difference between a good king adaptation and a bad one is that the things that scare you in a Stephen King book are not particularly the physical antagonists, right? Pennywise the clown, he looks like a clown in the book, right? And him, he doesn't exactly carry the fear. The fear is the potential of what he could do to you. The fear is the 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 character element and what it affects the characters to see these things happen whereas a bad Stephen King movie thinks that the scariest element is not the dread that these things right. cause but the physical antagonist right. in this movie it was look at the creepy dead girl right. now that she's back right. look how creepy she is are you scared yeah and, and if you're not a cat will jump out he's also kind of scary exactly and instead they lost the thread which is that the scariest part of the book is grief right and right. this movie had a fundamental lack of any grief to drive the proceedings right all so, you need to do is watch hereditary hereditary is a movie where one person dies at the beginning and the grief is like it all consuming and then another person dies and it, it is the bleakest scenario of yeah. all time. And that formula is Pet Cemetery as the novel. Yeah. You asked me about it's one death after another. Yeah. You asked me about my note that said unfortunate pacing. Yeah. It says unfortunate pacing, death of the kid, funeral, burial. In the book, like that's the fucking moment. Oh my of god. The fucking yeah. Thing. The book is about that's the crux of the entire story, is the grief of that situation. <sighs> this movie portrayed it as dead kid, shoot to fucking cemetery scene, shoot to burial, done. We're in the future. 
Yeah. It's fucking... It missed literally the most this, important point. All of the worst adaptations are the one that treat ones that treat King novels as horror novels and not suspense novels. Mm-hmm. Like, this wanted to be a horror movie when it should have been... Not even suspense. Almost even fantasy. Yeah. Because, like, again, it's never about the, the physical object. Look at what Stephen King has written, right? Like, Cell, about a cell phone. Right. Christine, about a car. Cujo, about a one dog. Right. It's not about those things being scary. Right. It's about the terror that comes with either technology out of control or or nature out of control. It's 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 a headier idea than just the physical object. Right. Like a perfect example of that in this movie is Zelda, the sister of the wife who had spina bifida and in the book was deformed and was very ill and said because her mind was so sick from fever very dark things to her sister that were very cruel one of those things uh ended up happening what ended up happening uh essentially was that um the sister was either out of control or was sick or something and her sister had to um smother her with a pillow and kill her um and there was a lot of grief in that in this it's this whole overblown thing where she crawls through a dumb waiter yeah, yeah. and falls and twists her back upside down and is like, Bleh! and is yeah. like, and and, and um, it, it's basically missing the point that like the horror of that situation. Remember this too, Dan, from the book. The horror of that situation was that her parents would leave her, leave alone, her alone with yeah, her. Yeah. And in this, they really didn't even. They said it. Yeah, it gets mentioned after the. But fact they could have done the hu- where Lewis goes. Your parents never should have left you alone with her like that. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like that's it. But that, we that's should have seen good. that. Right. We should have right. seen that because, like, if we were allowed the ability to see like her being left alone and maybe just a more subtle integration of like her being scared by her sister, like that could have been really effective. Um, and I think one thing that it, uh, the most recent one, did effectively is take the side stories other than the main antagonist and make them spooky. Like the bar mitzvah kid, um, the kid uh, who runs into the sick guy at the house. Those excursions from the main plot were really scary and well done in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in this movie, they they screwed up the Zelda thing by doing the, just an unnecessary overblown scene of her death. Yeah. And the other part where I was praying that they were going to extrapolate on and make really scary, in the novel, Judd... Um, ends up describing to uh, Lewis a situation that happened in the early 1900s yes, yes. where a bull um, was resurrected at the pet cemetery and stalked the town and was really terrifying. And then an even more and harrowing story of a soldier who had been dead and sent back from war to his father's house, who then the father resurrected him and he would walk around the town right. in his soldier outfit right. with a fucking he was dead and would walk into stores and talk to people and was terrifying people instead of those moments being in the movie right. instead of that being a, a conversation between Lewis and Judd who desperately needed character connection yeah. they boiled that down to Lewis looking it up on Google I know I know on Google this is all the shit I was saying about it needing to be longer like what was this that? Movie, the only thing that is viable about the story is because they develop Lewis and Judd's relationship so much in the book where he sees him as a paternal figure, where he sees him as someone who's guiding him, not in this movie where he's like, oh, it's my next door neighbor I met two days ago. 
Oh, he, it, he it showed. So he showed up in my driveway with my dead dog. I don't find that sketchy. And yeah. then he's just like, "All right, I'm gonna take you to this fucking sketchy place. Come with me." And he's put, like, "Okay." Put all these rocks in this fucking bizarre, like, satanic formation, like. Okay. And Lewis is just like, "Sure." So the place that we're talking about now, when they go to the pet cemetery, um, I thought the special effects and the and the set of the pet cemetery was worse than the 1989 yeah, movie. I agree. The staircase that was carved perfectly into a yeah. stone wall. Yeah. yeah. That did not look like a tribal staircase. It looked like literally a stairwell. Yeah. Um, carved into a rock. In the book, it's one of the most effective parts. Yeah. The explanation of the deadfall or whatever it is, the the trees that they climb up and and the adventure that they go on that uh, leads back to the pet cemetery. I mean, all of that is just crazy. And just in general, I the first time during Lewis's first like dream sequence where he's walking through the forest and the kid who got his face blown off in the beginning or not blown off hit by the car or whatever um is like telling him don't like the ground is sour like all that shit yeah why do the woods look like such shit did you notice they, that dude they the look special effects were terrible and, and the ADR is horrible it's like, all it it's was really so noticeable cheap. when there's like when like the ghost kid is fucking like talking to him when he's not on scene, the volume different. Like it's very rare that I notice how bad the sound is for a movie. Yeah, and like the first third of this movie looks and sounds like garbage. Yeah, I mean any, the shots of the pet cemetery, the blue screen work. Yeah, insane. Is insane. I mean, it looks. It bad. looks like it looks like it may have looked like the Dementors in like Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, which was made fifteen fucking years ago. It, it may have looked okay in a theater, but on on my TV, I could yeah. see it perfectly clear. Yeah, it, it looked like a terrible set. Yeah. Which also wait wait to rewind real quick. I talked about the kid with the brain. Yeah. You know, in the first scene, where where or that that scene in the um, infirmary where he's working on the kid, and like oh the kid got hit by a car or whatever. It's like not that crazy of a scene. How they revealed how fucked up he was was literally the piece of dialogue from a uh, his like nurse aide was his brain. You can see his brain, and then it cuts to his fucking. Brain. And it was like pulsating. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the Mars Attacks. <laughs> 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 Yeah, the effects on that were his not brain. good. His yeah, brain. not You good. can see his brain. And again, why? Never mind. Who? Ta- no one talks like that. <laughs> There's no subtlety to that. Um, yeah, that scene is also a perfect example of this movie rushing its brains out. Because yeah. that scene is so effective because... Um, in the book is so effective because you realize it's, just, it's basically his first day there. Yeah. And he's very nervous about it. And, and they also make it clear, like, nothing like that happens right. at, at this college campus. And it... And it's so shocking and so left field. In this, it's like he's literally, they cut to him like using a stethoscope on a patient and then they bring this guy in and his head is And you would think it happens every day in this town. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rachel turned to me and was like, what the, like, does this happen? And I was like, no, but that's the point. And they're not making that point right. Like, the point is, no, this doesn't happen. This is an abnormal event. Like, um, I guess also a positive that I missed uh, that I wanted to add was that they did the Wendigo in this one. Um, there was one shot of it standing above the forest. Yeah. That was effective. But again, rushed and they did not do enough with it. And it would have been more interesting. Imagine if they made this movie, if they wanted to make any changes, which they made many and we're going to start listing them and going into them in yeah. a minute. Um, uh, imagine the Wendigo more of a like a mythical character and more of a presence kind of like the witch or like a folksy horror woods movie where there's like something controlling the proceedings because this stuff with the cracked uh the patient with the cracked head and yeah and every weird thing that happens even before they bury church in the first place 
um, needs to be ascribed to something. And in the book, they really don't say, like, oh, the Wendigo's pulling all the strings right. and blah, blah, blah. But, like, wouldn't it be interesting if maybe they would have added an element of that? Just maybe see the Wendigo maybe. a couple more times. Like, listen, like, when they bring the kid in with his head exploding or something, a flash of the Wendigo right. or something. Just, like, in the background or, like, I was outside a window like, or something I, crazy. Like, I almost wish that they just eliminated eliminated the Wendigo plot from it entirely. I no, felt like, I I felt like, like it, it added nothing to this movie. I like that they added it. And not only that, I'm hoping that it, part two, adds the things that are mythical about that story, which I won't spoil, I guess, for you because you haven't read it. No, I haven't read all of it. Um where they explain what the clown is very literally and they go into a lot of history about it and it's i think one of the more compelling elements of the book and it makes it makes pennywise as a character one of the most compelling king characters ever um but i don't know if they're gonna do i don't know how far they're gonna take it uh we saw um or no never mind I guess we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I like that they had the Wendigo in there. Um, I did not like the late night Google session. Um, I did not like the subversion. That was, that was unbelievable, the fucking... But, like, it's like, as soon as it happened, I'm like, that makes sense with how quickly this movie's going. Like, like of course, that's what happens. Like, they didn't allow themselves any time to focus on the relationships. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even care about Lewis's relationship with Rachel. Like... Right. Yeah, I didn't care about that... Yeah, you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, like, did you think that uh, the female actress, I don't know who she was, do you think that she was any good in that role? I mean... Like, I mean, you know, I always struggle with, like, when dialogue is that bad to, like, blame it entirely on the actress, but, like, no. She just was so flat. She didn't... There was nothing to do with the... She was just a generic wife character. Like, it was like... But no, but no. Again, like, I think that if played right, she would have been, like, more grief-stricken. Like, yes. Even oh, yeah. when she was at her parents' house late into the story and she was worried about Lewis and what was going on while yeah. he was there, she still looked like her makeup, the way that yeah. she was acting. Yeah. Kind of just like distressed, maybe. Yeah. But like, again, to call up Hereditary, like how grief stricken Tony Collette is in that movie. And you can yeah. see it in her face yeah. in every single shot. Like, uh, to me, if you're going to make a horror movie, the central conceit of which is grief yeah. and not focus on that grief, you're missing yeah. what King wrote the story for. I mean, they, they robbed us of the moment where you see her face when she sees the kid after being hit by the truck for the first time. Like, they robbed us of that. All you see is, like, her out of focus, passed out on the ground, and yeah. it focuses on Lewis, like, running to, like, pick, pick her up. Like, <sighs> well, that, this that was... moment didn't, like, it, dude. If you want to sum up in a nutshell this movie, all you need to focus on is... The change made uh, with the Orinko truck that kills the kid in the first place. Whereas in the book and in the first movie, very tastefully done. It's just like happens in in the span of a second. And the kid steps into the street and the truck goes by and bam, that is just it. And in this movie, uh, I turned to my wife. final destination. (laughs) I turned to my wife and said, I bet you the truck is going to flip. And lo and behold... That truck fucking flipped, yeah. and the CGI looked terrible yes. on it. Yes. And instead of the kid just getting hit, the kid was like hit like, like a bullet. Like, but it was absurd. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I mean that was a change that I thought was really stupid. Yeah. Um, and to go into some other things, well, I'll do a light. One it's also first. it's also much more tragic in the original story that that the the child child fucking is the one that gets killed. Okay, so I guess we'll do that now, and then I'll, I'll double back on a smaller detail, but um, 
the what Dan is alluding to here is that in the book and in the first movie, uh, Gage, the young kid, is killed, not the older daughter, um, and he comes back as like a deformed toddler, essentially, who is in immediately aggressive and is immediately like dead and scary. Um, this movie changed it to the older sister. Um, Primarily and, because they needed some, an actress that could act. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to um, work with that, and I wanted that to work out, so I, I put some faith in that. And honestly, when she comes back, she is very... I thought she was very compelling when she came back originally. Um, her makeup was super slight, and then yeah. with CGI, they kind of drooped one of her yeah, eyes, yeah. and the effects on her being dead were really effective. Then the problem started, and the problems basically are that... She starts running around like a Chucky doll. <laughs> well, well, the differences between Gage and the sister is Gage was a child, so he didn't really speak all that much. Right. Whereas this girl becomes a full-blown character. Yeah, straight up. Um, and that character is bizarre and like just And there wasn't and... nearly the amount of sexual tension we're used to between a father and daughter character. Yeah, not for our <laughs> not for this fucking podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't get hard once in this movie. Um, Jesus. And and so then that created all this like unnecessary uh, all these unnecessary scenes with her like doing ballet and just like I like that scene doing I, I like that scene with doing her doing creepy kid stuff though I mean because like you're like oh well because there was a moment where I was like oh maybe it's gonna be more like the book where the yeah. character is subtle the deadness of the character no. and then she starts being super aggressive and no, I was, was like, like, I, was like all right. I was like alright well this like makes sense with the pacing of the movie that's happening so far <laughs> um so yeah uh, I thought that she became kind of a joke and it became kind of a farce and then spun totally off the rails and um i just think it was just a huge mistake for them to make a ton of the choices that they made yeah um, there's there's so much wrong with like I don't know, there's so many choices they made that i just don't understand like you know you'd think when like people are breaking the story of an adaptation you know, someone would be like, all right, well, like, this happens in the book, or and this happens in the movie, but, like, what if we did this? And then, like, naturally, like, the other person would be like, well, why? What what is what, what does that add to, like, a modern context? Right. And for this, they were just like, well, like, because. Yeah, there, there's no, like, new edge to it. Um, the things that they added to it, like, here's a perfect example of shit not working once again, which was... Really, in, in all the trailers, they were showing these pictures of uh, kids wearing animal masks, and I knew that that was nothing from the book. I yeah, didn't know the, what that the, was. You mean the Wicker Man scenes? So, early on in the movie, they moved to this place, and in the book, the place itself is not very scary for a while, and it takes a while to figure out that there's even anything back there, and it takes a while for Judd to reveal that there's anything in the woods. Right. Uh, in this movie, not only do they find the Pet cemetery like, straight away, but as soon as they move into the house... They're standing in the backyard, and all these kids walk by wearing folksy Wicker Man animal masks, holding a dead animal, taking it to bury it in the pet cemetery. It is, like, terrifying imagery. Like, these kids are super haunting looking. Yeah. Um, and the wife or whoever says, what's that? And another character goes, oh, it's a procession. Yeah, they're, and not, then they're, they're, not, they're goes, not weirded out by it at all. And then the little kid goes, that's a procession. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's like a parade, that's but just scary. Like a parade, but scary. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's what she says. And it's like, wait a minute, mom and dad, you should be fucking terrified. <laughs> yes. This isn't normal. Yeah. No, you should see this in your backyard. Yeah. And that should have been the trigger right there. 
What? What is happening? This, this, this procession, they were carrying a platform that was holding up the corpse of a dead dog. Yes, I mean, That's that the is... important part, and that they were like, oh, they're just doing what kids do. That's what kids do in this area. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. I don't think so. Welcome, welcome to Maine, bitch. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I uh, found that that change was good on a visual, let's stick this in a trailer yeah. uh, context, but logically made no sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. There's a, I, I'd say the absolute worst change to me that I feel harmed the overall story and spirit of the original is what generally happens in the third act with Rachel and just like can you remind me do you remember what happens at the end of the book there so like the, gen- totally the forgot, general ending but the twist was terrible so so, so basically to me so I, I said that like this movie's about the human element and grief but like what it's also or this book rather and the other thing the main thing it's about is the general mental degradation that happens to the main character as a result of all this fucking nonsense happening. Sure. Which especially matters because of, like, how close he's come to Lewis, yet Lewis has, like, indirectly brought this fucking harm upon his family, and it's, like, fucking heartbreaking. But, like, so in the book, after... And I haven't read the book in fucking 15 years, so, Fair like... Enough. I, I do remember the end. I read it a year ago. So all this happens with Gage and the kid, whatever. Then um, Gage kills the mom kills Rachel and like what on the surface seems ridiculous in that Lewis then still even though what happened with Gage he still tries to bury Rachel again in the pet cemetery right. but it's because like you're they show you like his mental degradation and the mental gymnastics he goes through yeah. to basically this he comes to the conclusion that Gage came back fucked up because there was a huge gap of time that he was like decaying in the ground right. If I do it right, if away. I do it right away, as soon as Rachel dies, it'll probably be fine. Rachel. Yeah. So fucking, he then still brings Rachel, and then you get that amazing scene, the final scene of the book, which is like what is like the best ending for like any of his books that I've read is fucking him just like living his life and feeling Rachel's fucking cold dead hand on his shoulder, and she just says "darling," and like, and then the fucking book ends, and you don't know if she's there to kill him, or if he's, like, created, like, a docile fucking, like, zombie Rachel situation that he's just living with in this fucking... Instead, what happens in the movie is the kid kills Rachel, fucking Lewis goes to attack the kid, um, the kid starts acting like her normal self, so he doesn't kill her. That part does happen in the book as well, but then, um, she, like... She it turns out she had still what you didn't know is that but it was alluded to was that the kid had buried killed Rachel and buried her already. So right as Lewis is about to decide to kill the kid, Rachel stabs him. So mm. then then they bury him. So then they're a whole family of zombies at this point. Yeah. And they come back and Gage is like locked in the car, the only safe one, and like zombie fucking Lewis tells the kid to open the car door. Presumably, so that they can kill him and like they can be a zombie family all together is the end of the movie. So bad. It's fucking insane. <laughs> it's fucking insane. When they showed this, shot. like, dude, in the beginning, the hold on, the, their house is on fire in the beginning, which yeah. that's a big part of the book. Is yeah. fucking or no, that's the part of the flashback with the soldier. That's from the story of the soldier where yeah. the fucking dad has to kill the kid, his son, for the second time, and mm-hmm. then fucking lights his house down because he just fucking goes crazy. Right. Instead, this opening scene with fucking the house on fire. Like, the intro is, like, a cold open where you see their house on fire, you see there's blood everywhere. I remember 
that was the cold open before anything, and I was like, oh, they're going to do the fucking soldier thing, because that's the scene that that is. Okay. And instead, at the end of the movie, it's fucking zombie family being all together, and they light the house on fire for no fucking reason. Now what? That seems like something It's almost changed. like a, It's like a twisted fucking like happy ending, almost. Like, I, oh, they're I all going to be together. I literally guarantee you there's an alternate ending out there. Th- there for... is. I read about it. What is it? The alternate ending. Like, should we watch it? I don't know. I, I don't think it's... I don't know if it's watchable. Oh, yeah, I guess the DVD just came out. So, yeah, it's watchable. Um, I read it on Wikipedia. I don't remember exactly what happens, but it was equally stupid, I think. But, like, dude, the, uh, the daughter even goes, like, we can be together. And he's like, we can't be together. And there's no way. And she goes, but there is a way. And then the way is that they all fucking kill each other, including the little brother. For them to be a zombie family together, which is fucking insane, because the town wouldn't allow that. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to allow this fucking zombie family to just be. Um, okay, oh, wait, alternate ending. Um, what follows after the scene is a creepy and disturbing sequence that's shown in the full Pet Cemetery home video release. The alternate ending strikes a different tone than the theatrical cut, which concluded with an undead Lewis, Rachel, and Ellie approaching the family car as young Gage sat inside and heard the chirp of a car uh, lock, whatever. Uh, two directors of this movie, I didn't yeah, realize. Two. That's a bad sign. Yeah, um, that always works. Revealed that uh, the, the alternate ending was how screenwriters originally wanted to conclude the classic. It's a sadder one, which is why we like it so much. Anyway. The alternate ending is the ending that should be tested a week after you screen a film. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my god, let's go. You just went to the Wikipedia page. Producer Lorenzo D. Bonaventura said that three endings were shot. Wow. Because, <laughs> of course, this movie yeah. feels like a committee project. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Which might make you wonder what happened to the third version. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> it really doesn't. It does not, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I couldn't even find a fucking synopsis, Jesus. You're blowing it. Here's the official alternate ending. Blown it! Okay, we got Lewis, dying Rachel. Dying Rachel. Is he burying her? Is that what's happening? It looks like he's burying her alive. The daughter's helping. We'll all be family again. That was it. That's yeah. That's worse. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, uh, I think whoever wrote this movie had a fundamental lack of understanding about what this movie was about. I mean, it's uh, just like they were trying to make an hour and a half long fucking just like horror movie. It was like, so short. Yeah. The pacing and mental degradation doesn't make sense over that short of a time. Like, no. it's not believable that. The, like in this, I didn't believe in it. this movie, it's basically like, "Hey, buried the cat. Cat came back as a psycho and hurt my baby. So also, I'll do it with my daughter. That'll probably work. That'll work. There, there's no reason. There's no reason. And he poisons Judd for no fucking reason. Hmm. Like, there's that scene. Like, what? Like, uh, uh, yeah, that scene was also stupid. Like, I didn't like that th- either. This could have been fine if they just used the same exposition as there is in the book. Like the soldier, 
all the flashbacks. Like, it's it's the shit that makes it actually terrifying what the situation is. This just seems like a bunch of spooky random shit that's happening happening in a place. Yeah. With no history, like... Exactly. The only history that we're that's given is was... that judge, judge is like, oh, when I was a boy, I buried my dog there. And it also came back and attacked everyone, and my dad had to put it down. And he's like, well, then why the fuck did you make me take my fucking cat there? It makes no sense. And he's like, well, because I thought it would be different. And he's like, why? He's like, well, because... The logic of the movie was sucked out, and I don't think the screenwriters knew that they were doing that because they didn't understand the book. And what's incredible is this is just another example where you see Stephen King comment on a movie and say, his comment was like, it's truly terrifying. It's like, Yeah, he didn't watch it for sure. Uh, no, I mean, I think he wrote a whole thing about it. Yeah. Um, but We also, they, they robbed us of the moment of, at the end of the book, Lewis having to kill Gage. Yeah. Like, which is just fucking intense. That's like, the, maybe one of the most effective parts yeah, of the book. is him having to kill his son that he brought back from death. And is haunted by yeah. it with terrible grief. In I mean. this in this movie, <laughs> that moment happens, and instead of him successfully doing so, the zombie wife comes back and kills him. <laughs> what the motherfuck? The hero shot of the three of those characters zombified yeah. was too goofy for me. It, and not, it, I laughed out loud. It was like one of those like zombie like horror films, like comedy, like zombie land, like it looked like. All right, Dan. Golden gun rating on this bitch? Like, wait, so what did I give a three earlier? Or last week? I gave a three to something. Oh, that romantic comedy. Mm. All right. No, that's not fair. No, it wasn't the romantic comedy. No, I'm giving this movie, like, like a two. Like, wow. Like a three. Like, I fucking hated it, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Like, if it had even, like, looked good... It would have been fine. Four and a half golden guns. It looked like pure shit. Yeah, it looked like shit too. And and I hated it in the beginning. Oh, oh, I kept a fade count. A fucking fade count of how many fucking... So many fades. There is nothing that takes me out of a movie more than a fucking fade. They were like trying to use it as time lapse almost, but it did not feel that way. Dude, they did a time lapse thing. It felt like a soap opera. Yeah, they did a time lapse thing where they went fade, fade, fade. (sighs) Three in a row to show that a bunch of time had passed. Great. And that's how they handled this... The, the burial. That was when it happened. It was during the fucking funeral. Super effective. Yeah. This um, is the most grief-stricken moment in the entire story. Let's throw a bunch of fucking fades in there like it's goddamn Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> Shout out Little House on the Prairie. No, baby. fuck Little House on the Prairie and fuck this movie. <laughs> Harrowing. Harrowing. Zero. <laughs> We're not Zero. This isn't that bad, but uh, it was... It... Oh, that's the barge coming in, y'all. You know what that means. All right. Um... All right, so let, let's take this into a broader sense. Yeah. Uh, that broader sense is Stephen King himself, who is a nefarious, interesting character. He's gone through periods of cocaine abuse mm-hmm. uh, that he freely admits caused some of his worst writing. Yeah. He also went through a harrowing accident um, in his career, uh, a, a vehicular accident that he wrote also some of his worst work <laughs> uh, during, um, including Dreamcatcher and Doom McKee. Uh, the book Doom McKee I actually really like. Um but it's fucking weird, King. <laughs> and um, uh, Dreamcatcher, which we're going to get into, um, is uh, basically it, but with a retarded kid and a space alien instead of a clown. And it is one of the stupidest books and stupidest movies ever created. And I'm obsessed say, with it. I was going to say, Dreamcatcher the movie is one, of Dreamcatcher. My, is one of my go-tos of movies that suck, but the trailer was awesome. It's it sucks, but it's so bonkers. The, the trailer for that movie was fucking insane. I don't. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the theaters and being like, "Holy shit, Dreamcatcher is gonna be the truth." The book is like five thousand pages long and is the same plot as the movie, identical almost. Do you um? Are you one of these people that like believes that Stephen King has like a bunch of different people like write his books because he just comes no. out with so many fucking books? No, 
Nope. I've I've read his on writing book. I understand his process. I aspired to be very much like him when I was younger. I he, I would say for a while he was my how number would, one. How would you say that your progress on that is so far? I mean, you know, I I try to be as, as steadfast and passionate about what I'm working on as yeah. someone I would look up to. So I mean, I haven't had the success of um, anything, but uh, I feel good about what I do. Three kangs. I can't I can't shit on myself too much anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, uh, Stephen King has always been my number one guy. I mean, I've gone through periods of not reading it, of reading it, whatever. I've gone through resurgences where I'll reread the same book. I've read it twice, and both times it's, it's incredible. It's a long book to read twice. Um, the first time that I read it was in fourth grade, um, into fifth grade, and my mom pre-read it. Uh, she had read it first and cut out pieces of the book and blacked out with a Sharpie uh, words incredible. and parts of the book. Um the gay guy who dies in the parade in the beginning of it she excised that entire section um and a lot of the other not kills, because he's killed but because there's a gay character well no there's a lot of uh gay slurs and a lot of um two characters get in a fight at the beginning of it at a gay pride parade basically in Derry. um and you know the word faggot is thrown around a ton and it there's violence and they really beat him up and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, it's really it, it, it's really dark uh, shit. And my mom edited it all out. And then when I reread it uh, last year, including the scene where all of the kids have an orgy together, uh, she took that completely out of the book. Um, and then when I read the book last year and got to this part where all the kids have an orgy <laughs> together, I was literally astounded. <laughs> astounded. And looked into it and Stephen King said that he was literally on cocaine at the time. He thought it was a good idea. He was at a party point in his life. And was into like free love type of shit and just wrote that. Um, and it's minors, children, all having sex with Beverly. All the boys have sex yeah, with her one yeah. at a time, one after the other. Yeah. Um, it's a gang bang. Yeah. And she loves it. Yeah. And the chapter is written from her point of view and she is like coming and like having the time of her life. It is, you know what word. You know the word I would use. I'm not going to say it. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> the H word, Harley Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, now um, uh, let's just go through uh, all of the adaptations. We're gonna start with theatrical um, of King's shit. And I'm just gonna list every single one. Yeah. Okay. There's not that many of them. I mean, you think that there's like a ton, but there's really not a ton. Ton. There's like thirty. Okay. Yeah, that's not that much. Yeah. And Dude, should we if do you've it? seen it, give me a golden gun rating. If you've read it, give me a golden gun rating. Give me whatever you got on so it. So we're your not gonna do like a top five. Uh, well, we could do your top five after. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Do you want to start with your top five? Or I do. Are you feeling if neglected? I'm gonna, if I'm, no, because if I'm going to give ratings, then we're going to know it's part of my top five. Okay, all right. Perfect. All right, yep. Let's start with, this is going to be Dan's top five Stephen King um, based on which ones he's seen, which I have a feeling he's not seen um, a lot. Can I start with number one? You don't want to build up to no, it? Your I, no, because of... I think the build up is what my number five is because it's so ridiculous. All right. All right, so number one is Stand By Me. 
I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, number two is The Shining. Okay, that's good. Number at th- least that's number two is all I have to say about yeah. that. Number okay. three is Shawshank. Okay. Yeah, I see what kind of King fan. Number four is Misery. Okay. And number five is uh, 1408. <laughs> 1408 is good. There's nothing wrong with it. All right. I thought it's, you were gonna. Shit it's a on compelling that. movie. I love 1408. I rewatched it with Rachel a little bit ago. It's like a it's like a ride at Universal Studios. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I really like that. Movie. Uh, it's a good minor king. That's like king of the minor kings. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. 1408 is as good as a random king story picked from a book of a hundred stories could ever be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's based on a small thing. So. Yeah. Um, which a lot of th- like the mist and things like that um, a lot of m- things that people would consider major king adaptations from a movie point you know, of view I, I forgot about the mist uh, I, I like the mist way more than 1408 <laughs> yeah I mean you should <laughs> alright okay fuck um, 1408 and fuck the green mile I didn't think of it but let me think uh, my my top king adaptations The Shining would be number one I, just because I we didn't talk about The Shining 2 trailer we will. Okay. Um, just because it's from a um, point of view, uh, it's from a film point of view that we're yeah. talking. I mean, if you want to talk about correct book to screen, I, that is so rare for King that I don't even know if I can ascribe to it. Yeah. So um, I would say my one, number one would be that um, my number five would probably be it part one, just okay. because I thought it was finally that at least they did something right yeah. with King. I really liked it. Um, uh, I do love the Green Mile, but in rewatching it, it's getting a little hand fisted. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I can't really construct this list, obviously. I'm not yeah. going to sit here and pontificate forever. Um, yeah. I could definitely talk about Cujo's my... number three, though. No. <laughs> I love Carrie. I yeah. would say Carrie was, Carrie was Carrie like would probably seven. be four for me. I think Carrie is such a quintessential 70s experience yeah. as, yeah. A, as a movie. As a movie um, as a whole, yeah. It's so dreamy and ethereal and yeah. just awesome. I just, I, I recently what, What's her name? Sissy Spacek? Yeah, yeah. So, so good. good. So good in it. Yeah. Just haunting. Just such is a good it, Is she in Kill Bill? No. All right, cool. No. She's in the show Bloodline that I like recently. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Um, she's in The Coal Miner's Daughter. Have you ever seen that movie? That's a fantastic movie. With Tommy Lee Jones or she plays a country singer. She's kind of like Loretta Lynn. Uh, everything maybe. you said, I was just like, of course. You're like, the coal miner's daughter. I was like, okay. You're like starring Tommy Lee Jones. I was like, of course. And you're like, country singer. I'm like, yep. Dude, that's an amazing movie. That's okay. like the top hundred movies of all really? time for me. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, just a... Oh, you know what I didn't say that I... In what I watched recently? I watched The Road. Oof. Which, because I, I recently read The Road. Did you enjoy... How do you feel about the movie and book? The book, I gave a 10. I gave a 10 out of 10. It was incredible. In the movie? I mean, like, it's hard to, like, rate a movie. It's not like I, like, enjoyed watching it, but, like, it was damn faithful to the book. <laughs> so i give it, like, an 8 out of 10. Yeah. All right, let's get rolling. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, the Road. First movie, A Good Marriage. Uh, this was a recent one. Okay. Um, from 2014. That was based on uh, some kind of Minor King, and it was in theaters. Okay. Uh, I did not see it. Don't mind me, I'm going to stretch. Did you see it? No, I've never even heard of it. Okay, apt pupil. Um, I, I that's on I believe Cat's Netflix list. I didn't know it was a Stephen King book. Yes, it's uh, about a boy who finds out that his professor, who's played by Ian McKellen, is a Nazi, former Nazi. Oh, oh, yeah. you might like that. No, you know you what? Like weird King that's, of like drama King. That's like not on Cat's Netflix list. That's downloaded to my hard drive. You should watch it. I mean, yeah. it's okay. 
No, I. It I, is not the best movie, and it was not received terribly I like, well either. But I watched, Ian McKellen, I think, got a huge career boost from that movie. I watch most movies that involve finding out that someone's a Nazi. Yeah, like the reader. Yeah, the reader. Yeah, that was a good one. Or uh, there's a recent one, Operation Finale, where Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley or something are hunting one of the. Oh final yeah, Nazis. yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that yet, but it looks very yeah. good. I wanted to check that out. Yeah. Uh, Maybe somebody, we should do like a Nazi spectacular. As somebody who's like people are hunted by them, I feel a, a special kinship with the Nazi movies. Yeah. Um, maybe we should do a Nazi spectacular. <laughs> maybe like uh like an october spooky nazi <laughs> special <laughs> uh. <laughs> um uh, carrie yeah seen the original okay new carrie carrie 2 from the 90s wait carrie golden gun rating i'm gonna go 9.5 yeah, yeah i give it a nine okay wait what what so carrie 2 what's that movie called carrie 2 fucking the rage carrie the two. rage carrie 2 from yeah. who's, someone's in that movie that shouldn't be in that movie i'm gonna give that movie a 0.5 yeah out of <laughs> that movie zero but, it's fucking but horrible. The reason it is not on this list is because it's not based on a Stephen King book, really. Okay, it's just made up crap. Okay. It's like Pet Cemetery 2. Right. Which I don't know if that probably won't be on here either. Yeah, um, I'll give that also a zero. <laughs> Cat's Eye. I have seen and enjoy I and recommend uh, for people to watch if you're looking for good pulpy minor king. Cat's Eye is good, I believe. Are these uh, in like chronological Drew order? Barrymore is in that. Uh, okay. they, these are in. Um, alphabetical order is it like a prequel to going the distance what cat's eye because no. drew barrymore no cool et though that was the prequel to going the distance <laughs> in going the distance she was like remember when that alien was dressed like a woman in my closet <laughs> um uh mm, what else we got here uh creep show do you know what creep show is no creep show is a anthology style movie okay. that stephen king wrote uh, the screenplay of it's pretty bad shit okay. um, it's kind of like Tales from the Crypt but Stephen King sounds like it um Cell which is based on as I mentioned before a Stephen King book about uh cell phones that kill everyone oh I'm thinking of what's the Jennifer Lopez Vincent D'Onofrio movie The Cell okay fantastic I was like Stephen King wrote that that makes sense that movie is crazy <laughs> no he didn't but I love that movie yeah that movie's good um, alright so Cell is about a killer cell phone is that what you said yes uh, the movie was very recent two years ago starring the stars of 1408 John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson once again uh, I think it has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes so that's the so what that. happens in it it's like the cell phone kills people everyone's cell phone sends a message into their brain to go insane and commit suicide or something so it's that M. Night Shyamalan movie with Zooey Deshno. Yeah, but it, st- it was a book before it was ever that, and it was a bad one. It's Minor King, Crap King. So, wait, what, so what, what, do you, what, do you, what are like the, the tiers of King categories? Because you've dropped Minor King a lot. Minor King so, is... So minor... like there's Major King, there's King, there's, there's Minor King, then there's Crap King. <laughs> you got anything else? <laughs> Crap King is like a, the biggest category, honestly, for, for adaptation. That's the Kang. Um, crap Kang. That's the cocaine crap Kang. Crap Kang. <laughs> um, uh, Children of the Corn. Okay. I don't think I've seen uh, the original recently enough to say that I've seen it. I've seen two Children of the Corn movies. And I want to say that it's based no, I've on... I've seen three Children of the Corn movies. I had no idea that was based on a Stephen King book. Yeah, either. it's based on, like again, a short story, I think. Okay. I give the original Children of the Corn, like, eight out of ten. Children of the Corn is minor Kang, because, like... Again, like it's a Stephen King story, but yeah. it's really also a short story, it's and like it's novellas. not—it's not something that you'd point to if you said which King books should right. I read. Well, 
I give the movie a fucking 8 out of 10 because the original one and then there was a Children of the Corn movie that came out in the 90s that's fucking mental I've never seen any of them I mean they make they made tons of them yeah there's one in, I think the one that came out in the in the 90s was like 4 or something and it was fucking insane Christine Christine is about the car yes yeah I've seen that I don't think I have and it's supposed to be one of the yeah. better ones yeah I haven't seen it I've seen scenes of it I've yeah. seen clips of it I haven't watched it since high school but I remember liking it I don't yeah. not enough to like speak confidently on it um Cujo Cujo I get very few golden guns. Yeah, it's a very cheap movie. Yeah, that movie sucks. Um, yeah, I would give uh, give that movie a six. Or that movie six. is like the Summer Sam movie, but worse. Are you talking about the Spike Lee joint? The John Leguizamo joint. I love that movie. Yeah, I know you do. I think that's fucking crazy. It's bad. That movie is fucking horrible. It is bad, though. Ne- it's ambitiously terrible. I watched that movie with my dad when it came out, so I was like eight, I guess. Yeah. And I'll never forget... John Leguizamo being like, not till you suck my huge cock. And I was like, I looked at my dad, I was like, I'm, you're, you're regretting me watching this. That this movie is, is we're deeply, both uncomfortable. deeply graphic. <laughs> for no reason, either. <laughs> like, not even the violence, which was terribly graphic, <laughs> but the sex yeah. in that movie was, like, mind-blowing for me at the time. I, when I got that DVD, I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, not until you suck my huge cock. And there's, like, a sex scene where it's very graphic, where yeah. he's humping on her, and it's just like, whoa, and he comes in, like, two seconds. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna fucking call out of my that's, huge cock. That's my, that's my John Leguizamo is coming impression. <laughs> hold on. I'm fucking coming. <laughs> Wait, I could do better. No, no, I think, well, we'll go back to the first one. The first one I did was actually really good. Just dub the first one over your second one. The Dark Half. I know nothing about that. I never heard of it. Uh, I believe that is a vampire one. I've seen that on VHS. It's, it's all right. It's pretty good. Uh, the Dark Tower with Matthew McConaughey. I haven't watched that because in my head I've always had it that someday I'm going to read The Dark Tower. I watched half of it. It's god awful. Cool. <laughs> How many? Dude, Matthew McConaughey. What a fucking bizarre career trajectory. The Dead Zone. The the television show. The movie. I've never seen with it. With Christopher Walken did not know that was a thing dead zone the tv show good. with fucking anthony michael hall yeah for a, what's it what doctor was he on tv um Duke, no no that was neil patrick harris uh anthony michael hall's from the breakfast club i thought he played some i don't know um i like i liked the show as a kid yeah it was on like usa yeah exactly on oh, anthony michael hall usa was fire yeah i'll, I'll go out and say it I, I don't know about that. USA was kind of shit. USA produced one of my favorite movies, one of the few movies they ever produced, uh, Pitch Black with Vin Diesel. Seen that one? Isn't that the sequel to fucking something? No. Oh. There are sequels to it okay. that I also yeah, really Yes, like. I've seen Pitch Black. Yeah, yeah, Wait, so wait, Diesel. is Chronicles of Riddick a sequel to that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Yeah. And then Riddick is a sequel to yeah. that as well. Um, which I give all of those, like... I don't give them a Golden Gun rating. Those are true guilty pleasure movies, kind of like the Underworld movies that I just think I feel are awesome. Chronicles of Riddick is a guilty pleasure movie. I don't feel that Pitch Black is a guilty movie. Pitch Black is just Pitch a Black's movie. a good movie. Yeah. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick is uh, guilty pleasure for sure through and through. It's like a fantasy yeah. cartoon. I saw Pitch Black on paper. Did you see Riddick though? No. Dude, Riddick is sweet. I don't think I don't think I have like you should check it mental out. capacity for to digest more Vin Diesel in fair, his lifetime. Fair enough, but like and I after the pacifier. Well, oh wait, I, that was the rock. I don't like him. Was at, it Vin Diesel? Yeah, you, I don't yeah, know it's pacifier. Okay. 
I, I don't like him at all in anything really, um, but I just have a soft spot for Riddick. The video games were incredible. The did, show did, was awesome. Yeah. The you still have the fucking the animated movie was really cool, which is animated by the people who did Aeon Flux, and it was really Whoa. neat. Um, and uh, I've always been a fan of the Riddick universe. It's like something I'll always prop up and just be think is nerdy and cool, and yeah. just like it. It's like one of my guilty pleasure sci-fi franchises of which I have many that I yeah. really haven't dipped too far into in this I like, podcast. I mean, it's no fucking Triple X, the fucking Return of Xander Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen any of those movies. Oh, dude, I never even saw the. There's original. one with Ice Cube that's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, uh, Doctor Sleep, which now we'll talk about. Okay. Uh, that's the next on the list. Yeah. This is uh, Stephen King's book uh, sequel to The Shining, which is written about thirty years after, and this is an adaptation of that book um it is directed by the guy who just recently did gerald's game which a lot of people really like uh stephen king adaptation as well and house on haunted hill was that the name the house on haunted hill from, from netflix 99 oh no, no the new one um haunting on hill house haunting on hill house yeah because yeah. um, house on haunted hill is yeah, a fucking that's a terrifying place. movie for the um, the only movie that i ever left in the theater because I was nine and I was terrified and my dad looked over and I was like covering my face and Chris Kattan is in it for some reason for a second for a while I love that movie yeah the movie uh, is fucking crazy I saw it in theaters I had it on VHS yeah. I, I thought it was badass it was like a it was like 13 Ghosts yeah. same category yeah. of sh- totally yeah. shit awesome movies from the 90s 13 Ghosts Matthew Lillard we should do it like a 90s movie special there's so many bad movies that I love from the 90s I could go on and on about I mean House on Haunted Hill is not a bad movie like sci-fi movies too like have you ever seen Arrival with Charlie Sheen from the 90s no where he discovers that aliens are about to take over the world dude that movie oh 90s gold not knowing with Nicolas Cage knowing is horrible that's one of my that movie pisses me the fuck off I like that movie Oh, God. <laughs> the twist in that movie made me groan louder than it. I was literally like, oh! Um, uh, and so Dan and I uh, inadvertently, when we saw Crawl, saw the trailer to Doctor Sleep. Um, and uh, I guess this is our turn to react to that. Um, I've read the book, uh, which I found to be pretty great. Um, definitely a different experience than The Shining um, on, on many levels. But a good uh, continuation of Danny Torrance's story in a really logical way, from his job to the way he lives, to his fears and his neuroses. It's one of King's, I would, I would say it crosses into to Major King, that book, even though it's newer. Um, because a lot of his newer work, it becomes minor kind of instantly because it's either not adapted or just shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, uh, that one I think crossed the barrier and I never thought I would see a day when somebody would adapt that into a movie even though it's been talked about for years um, it's, a, it's a tall order to fucking make ha- Haunting sequel. on Hill House was that the name of the yeah. show we're talking about um, that show I, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast but I will now to me that is a 10 out of 10 one of the best show experiences I've ever had watching the first season of that show I absolutely adored it um, cinematography everything that was done in that show was all directed and written by him um, and so I, I trust him pretty implicitly because that was one of the best horror experiences I've had in years. Uh, did you like it at that level or? Haunting on Hill House? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, so what did you think about the trailer? I'm trying to remember what happened. Was, was, Matt, was Ewan uh, McGregor? Ewan McGregor is yeah. kind of a weird casting. He's, he's Danny now. Let's, let's get something, uh, straight right off the bat. Okay. okay, this is what is bizarre about this movie thus far, which is that 
It is based on a Stephen King book, right? Which is um, been made into a movie by Stanley Kubrick. Um, but Stephen King himself disavows that movie yeah. and the events in it and the way that it portrayed the story. This is an adaptation of Stephen King's book sequel to his own book, The Shining. Yet it visually, yet it is, visually is referencing Kubrick's movie. Yeah, constantly. Constantly. Now, At least the trailer It did. could be one of those things like his new show, Castle Rock, that is an interesting way of pulling different parts of the King universe together in satisfying ways. I could see a way that this could work out um, in the sense that, oh, these are some Shining references from the book. These are some from the movie. It's interesting to see all the ideas come together because for so many years, they've been at odds. You know what I mean? Stephen King himself has been at odds with that movie historically for 30 or 40 years to the point where he produced his own miniseries adaptation of his own book to get it out there. Um, which uh, Have you seen that? No. There's an adaptation from the 90s. Oh my God, one of my favorite actors plays... Uh, I can't remember his fucking name now. One of my favorite actors plays Jack Torrance in it. Um, he's a great character actor. He's been in a lot of horror and a lot of great shit over the years. Um, and that adaptation is more faithful to the book in almost every way, down to how the wife should have looked. Stephen King was all bothered by um, the actress who played Wendy because Wendy in the book is a very strong, blonde... That's Shelley Duvall? Yeah, Shelley Duvall. Uh, oh, this fucking dude... Yes, Stephen Weber. Dude, that guy. He's saw him in something recently. He was fucking amazing. Uh, not the Perfection on Netflix. No. Did you? Because he was recently in that and was bonkers in it, um, like Nick Cage crazy. Um, so uh, yeah, um, that adaptation is pretty bad from the point of view of like it's just so unnecessary because. I don't care what Stephen King says. That movie, The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's movie, besides the fact that it's made so incredibly, it's pretty close to the book. It's really not that far off. It's taking what Stephen King basically did in that book and, and laboring endlessly about grief and just the way that that character felt, and yeah. it just kind of cuts the fat out of it and makes it implied. Um, and I think that pissed King off big time because he thought that the characters were underdeveloped and he thought that Shelley Duvall was a mess, I think he described her as. And and whereas Wendy in the book is a lot stronger, uh, which they do in the miniseries. And you know what? The kid who plays Danny Torrance in the miniseries turns in a good performance, too. And there are some scary parts of it and some good additions. And if you're a shining completionist, you have to see it. I mean, just knowing that there is a TV four-hour version of The Shining yeah. at one point, that's worth watching from a cinematic cinephile historian point of view you know what i mean like yeah. that happened and it happened because stephen king was mad about this for decades <laughs> and now this movie comes out referencing the king one how must he feel about that yeah imagine being a dude who is so fucking prolific that, that he hates the only good adaptation that of his work. The, an adaptation <laughs> that is like will forever be a part of cinema history as like a cinematic accomplishment that's the one you're going to vocally fucking shit on. I want to I want to be upfront and say that The Shining is my number one classic horror movie in the classic category. Um, uh, I I with horror am I would say so flooded with with cursed knowledge about thousands of movies in the genre that I can't even say what my favorite horror movie is. I could say kind of 
era wise i could tell you my favorite from the 70s 80s yeah. 90s i mean all of those are even the difficult. shining is quite good um, i'm a big fan of fucking rosemary's baby the shining has a, a special level of dread that i'll always connect yeah, with i uh, feel like the shining is probably my favorite too the music um and in pet cemetery they aped the this pissed me the fuck off in pet cemetery opened up with an aping of the shining opened up with a top-down view of the forest of a cor- car driving through the forest uh, tracking shot from like a helicopter yeah um, I feel like that's like in the, blues and greens it's like the signature Dude, fucking Stephen King that was that main fucking that was invented by The Shining invented yeah. by Stanley Kubrick has been parodied in oh, yeah. way more than just oh, yeah. but, but as a result that is a horror staple and I think almost any director that's doing a shot that is like that of a car in the forest traveling to a spooky location shot like that is thinking in the back of their mind The Shining. Yeah. Because The Shining opens with a fucking 10 minute version of that. Yeah. That is dread induced and and it's a beautiful hill. It's a beautiful countryside. It's a gorgeous shot. Yeah. But why is it so scary? Right. You know what I mean? It's it's lit well. I haven't watched The Shining forever. I feel like I'm going to watch it tonight. Whereas Pet Cemetery is like when this shot opened, it's like all seep, like blue and green yeah. and like it's oversaturated and creepy. Whereas The Shining is like it's very picturesque. Yeah. And, and it's like gorgeous nature photography, yeah. but the music is like, and you're just like, oh, oh boy. Um, and uh, this is what I don't get though. So The Shining is, I, I, we have to say, probably like the most successful King adaptation ever, right? Like, why? Not do- monetarily. But okay, but like in terms of like in quality, terms of I would like, say f- f- yes, absolutely. Like why yeah. don't they ever get like they got fucking Kubrick? Like why don't they ever get fucking like like Spielberg to do the fucking like King adaptations? Like why not get fucking like these great directors to do it and, and like stop making these movies by committee? Like when they let Kubrick fucking do his thing and make a movie, it was fucking great. Well, look, sometimes it works. There are good ones in this list. Okay. Sometimes it does work. Um, I think that most directors know that. Adapting King is not something that is easily done, and they probably stay away from it. And I think that it's becoming only more prevalent now because you can do TV shows, you can do long-form tellings, because Stephen King books, and this is the initial misconception that all the classic King movies fucked up on, Stephen King books are fucking big and long. And they are for a reason, to convey certain specific feelings. Um, And uh, when you shorten that, that is where things get dicey. That happened in Pet Cemetery today, you know? Like, when you shorten something that needs to be long, that's why it is cool as part one and part two. If that would have been one movie, uh, whatever. Okay, I mean, wait, here you go. All right, how do we make Pet Cemetery better? Make it like they did with It, make it a two-part movie oof. where the fucking... Dude, they were talking about... They were gonna make a, They were going to make a prequel where the first... Where it was all the story of the soldier and like the town in that time, so you had the backstory. I mean, that would be what cool. if that had been the first movie of the fucking Pet Cemetery? I would say that would be more appropriate if it was like a one season Netflix show. Yeah, yeah, be, yeah, totally, be, totally. A two part movie. Uh, I don't think there's enough explosive stuff in Pet Cemetery to anchor a two film yeah, narrative. That. Whereas it has giant set pieces that are, uh, especially in the second part, yeah. that are crazy, that are really large scale. Um, and get really cosmic even and insane so um 
But I hear what you're saying. Like, a lot of these things just need more room to breathe. Yeah. Um, a lot of the ones that fail definitely do. Pet um, Cemetery has, like, four chapters where nothing fucking happens besides you just fucking watch Lewis's descent into fucking just, like, grief and madness. So what'd you think? Doctor Sleep trailer. Excited for it? Excited for this now that you've seen it? Um, and that you know who made it? That I'm more excited now that I know who made it. Yeah. Um, the trailer... I thought it was a little ham-fisted yes. how much fucking original Shining imagery they, just they were showing. They just went too far. Like, just Danny on the tricycle, just constantly. I want to like, say that the director's probably not happy with that trailer, and that the studio is like, you need to throw as many yeah, of your references. references. Yeah. Because, like, look, there's a shot of him looking through the door yeah. that uh, Jack Nicholson knocks it. open yeah. and says, here's Johnny, and I imagine that that is late in the game. Yeah, that's Because I know, I know the from the book game. that the third... The last third of the book takes place in that hotel. Yeah. Um, I'm going to watch it. I, I wouldn't say I'm excited for it. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Um, uh, although, although you and McGregor surprised me because that fucking Christopher Robin movie was just delightful. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Uh, dude, it was killer. It looks like a tearjerker. Um, oh, yeah, it was devastating. Dolores Claiborne. Also, <laughs> also a Kathy Bates starring Stephen King movie. Okay. Also not a horror Stephen King movie which Misery could be argued it's not exactly horror yeah. it's like psychological yeah, it's horror, like if like anything. thriller or whatever yeah. um, Maybe. this is a story that's like a very personal story about a stubborn woman whose like husband dies or something and whose daughter comes home it's straight drama it's straight King drama but it is really good it is a really great drama if you saw it you would have no idea it was written by Stephen King as a book or a movie yeah um it's it's a great movie and Kathy Bates is unbelievable in it. It got great reviews at the time. It's a very highly respected movie, Major King for sure, and something you should when check did it out. Come out? Uh, in the nineties, I think. Yeah. Um, it's just a drama. Is Kathy Bates nude in it at all? Uh, no. Like that, so like that you, one movie. You, you'll be able to zip it back up now, <laughs> uh, about Schmidt or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, Dreamcatcher. We've talked about. I read the book. Uh, it was several thousand pages long. Uh, it's one of the worst books he's ever written. In his How do you get yourself to finish a several thousand page book that isn't good? This was an audio book. So I did it while I was like exercising really big at the time at the gym. And I just like would always put it on over the course of about three or four months. I'm loving the, the like visual of you just like fucking working on your pecs listening to an audio book. That's what I always did. <laughs> Before my many illnesses left me unable to go to the gym. I and do I have job. Audible. Maybe I should download more audio books. Firestarter. Also starring Drew Barrymore. Yeah, I've seen that's from the early '90s, right? No, no, starring like Child, Drew Drew Barrymore. One okay, of so, so the '80s then. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've seen Firestarter. I, I haven't seen it in a while. I, I mean, remember. yeah, I've watched it. I know it's pretty school, famous. Probably. Gerald's Game, which I mentioned before, yeah, was a Netflix movie. Never heard of it. You should check that one out, okay. dude. What's up with that? I don't love love it, but like other people really did. It's on Netflix, original, directed by the guy who did Doctor Sleep uh, okay. and everything else we're talking about. Uh, it's one of my favorite King books, but I just felt weird about it being adapted. But if you've never read the book... What's it about? Um, then you'll probably enjoy it more. Uh, it's about a woman who's... Uh, who, her and her husband go on an anniversary retreat to have a sexy time in a cabin. And something harrowing happens to him that leaves her in a really bad spot, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's a like a horrendous one-setting sur- survival movie. And it's like... 
truly fucked. It's really scary. I feel like I'm more likely to read the book than watch the movie. The movie's... I mean, the book is really good and really sad and just horrible. A few days from now, I'll probably text and be like, what book am I supposed to read? Just remind me it's that. I don't know if that is the one I would recommend to you out of ones you haven't read, but maybe. I mean, it is a really good one. Um, Graveyard Shift? I don't remember. I think I also have that on VHS, but I forget what it's about. the fucking Henry Winkler fucking movie? Where they work in a fucking morgue? Yes. Really? Yeah, I think so. That's a Stephen King? I, I think so. With Michael Keaton? Let's look it up. Uh, uh, graveyard Shift from 1990. No, that's not this. What, I'm thinking of Night Shift. Okay, you're thinking of Night Shift. <laughs> Which is a great movie. The Green Mile. Wait, so what's the deal with Graveyard Shift? <coughs> I don't know. You, you don't know anything about it? I, I don't. I think I have it on VHS, but I don't know what it's about. David Andrews is a drifter who wanders into a small town in Maine. He needs a job and decides to seek employment at the community's top business, a large textile mill. He is hired to work the graveyard shift from around midnight to dawn, and uh, along with a few others, he is charged with cleaning out the basement. This task strikes the workers as simple enough, but then, as they proceed deeper underground, they encounter an unspeakable monstrosity intent on devouring them all. Hmm. Okay. It's got a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Sounds like a winner. Um, and I've never heard of anyone in this cast. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and not watch that. Okay, The Green Mile. Okay. I mean, The Green Mile as a movie is great. Golden Gun. For the movie? Yeah. 8 out of 10? Yeah, I would say 8, 8, 8 5 maybe. I think when I was younger, I liked, I thought The Green Mile was a better movie than I of do Of course, these days. it is dated as fuck. It's yeah. not, it's, it's, it's one of those ones that you rewatch and you're like, oh, I'm it's like, good, I'm like, but well, like, kind of That was like a good. fucking cultural phenomenon when it However, came out. Tom Hanks is fantastic. Yeah, it's an iconic cover Tom too, Hanks to that DVD. Great. And I love that book. Do you know anything about how that book came out? No. That book was an experiment that Stephen King did where every six months, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong on your correction segment. Okay. Um, Every six months or so, uh, Stephen King would release, like, six chapters of it, published fully in a jacket. Uh, it was this tiny, floppy book. It was, like, 100 pages, 150, and he would put one out every six months, and that's how The Green Mile was released, and it was a huge book, and every six months, a new chap- uh, new book would come out, and they all had different names, and, like, in- if you're reading the book or watching the movie, I think they say the titles in okay. between and stuff like that, but um, that was a crazy experience my mom and I both did. Uh, we both read all those as they rolled them out and it was fascinating nice uh it's the only time i think i've ever heard of an author doing something like that and it was really cool cool to be at the level stephen king was to write such a serious book and then release it in such a pulpy fashion yeah was really Super cool pulpy. um and i think a lot of people forget that ever happened so that's that, that's one interesting thing about that um oh. hearts in atlantis with anthony hopkins Oh yeah, that's cool. a, I, I never saw it. Never read the book or saw. Uh, I think I saw it, but don't remember. Zero out of ten. It part one we talked about uh, the Mangler. Right. I I have seen and is terrible is schlock. Uh, it's about a machine in a factory that starts eating people. Um, that's a good name for that. The guy who plays Freddy Krueger is in it. Um, Robert England. Robert England. Um, Shout Max, out. Maximum Overdrive. Now this is like a whole conversation that. I don't have the particular energy to have right now, but uh, just so you know, if you have not heard of this movie, this is the only movie that Stephen King directed and wrote. Okay. Uh, It is notoriously awful. Yeah, I'm sure. It's it's about all machines on Earth start killing people. Okay. Anything technology-related starts killing people, which is, again, just like you'll see with all Stephen King, 
He does the same ideas over and yeah. over and over again. The idea of it, he's done that particular story of a bunch of kids doing this and that. I mean, that's like he's done a trillion times. I mean, I always call it fucking Stand By Me With A Clown. Exactly. Yeah. And Dreamcatcher is also deeply similar to it in many ways in its structure and execution. Um, so, yeah, uh, Maximum Overdrive, he was, uh, he also acted in. <laughs> we should, you should, we should have watched, th- what? We should have watched this. Dude, for this. it is, well, I think How Did This Get Made did an episode on it, but, uh, but just so we're all on the same page, he did it during his extreme drug phase. Nice. And it is maybe the wackiest movie ever made. <laughs> it is so bad. I mean, it's, it's just terrible. Um, so that was a huge failure for him. That's what it's like if the, that's like George Lucas prequel style okay. where you give the creator too much power yeah, and he gets drunk yeah. on it and goes retarded. Yeah. Um, so that, that was Stephen King's opus and maybe one of his worst moves he's ever made. All right. Um, Misery, we've seen. Yeah. Uh, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Mist. Amazing. Also awesome. Amazing. I'll never forget the first time I saw Misery, dude. I was like probably six. I was on vacation in Washington, D.C. Yeah, so I was in first grade and like I snuck out of my room. Mm-hmm. And, like, my dad was up watching Misery on TV, and I was like, what is this? And he was like, he, like, checked to see if my mom was still sleeping. He's like, all right, sit here. I'm going to show you what's what about fucking Misery. And I was like, right. he's like, just you wait for this one scene. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, this is boring, this is boring. He's like, just you wait. And that one scene happened, he's like, yeah, fucked you up, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, needful Things, I have not seen. Needful Things. Talk about Needful Things for a second, because I feel like I've seen that. I have it on tape, as always, and I have not watched it yet. Needful things. And the creepy... No, I haven't seen... I don't know what this is at all. Ed Harris, though. What up? Nope. All right. No, I don't know. Um, Apparently, it's playing on Encore two times a day for the next week. Let's check it out. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, Pet Cemetery. Okay, Night Flyer. Uh, that's a vampire movie uh, that I really like. Okay. Um, Anyone looking for fun Minor King, Night Flyer is fantastic. Uh, the book is pretty funny, and the adaptation is really funny. Yeah. Pet Cemetery and Pet Cemetery 2, we've done that. Yeah. Uh, um, the Running Man, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, oh yeah. 8 even, out of 10. I think I didn't even realize that that was King. Me neither. I had to remind myself. 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. I, I should read that book. You, you like The Running Man? Uh, I, I haven't seen it since I was a little kid, but Fucking I loved it killer. when I was younger. Um, yeah. And I obviously I know the plot and can yeah. see and all that. And that's um, a fucking that's a, that's a thing that could be fucking parody forever. Secret Window, one of my least favorite it's movies a of all Depp time. Movie, which is awful. Uh, the twist in that movie made me want to kill myself. What is the twist in that movie? I don't it's remember. like Fight Club, where John Turturro, yeah, 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 John yeah, Turturro yeah, yeah. turns out to be a figment of Johnny Depp's yeah, imagination. Oh and that horrible. movie only came out like three years after Fight Club too. I, yes, I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I saw it in the theater. Hard, I was like, absolutely Are you fucking kidding. Yeah. John Turturro um, was good in it. Though. That's one of the worst ever. Um, Shawshank. Actually, if I were to do like worst King adaptations, yeah, that would be almost top. I hate that movie. Um, Shawshank Redemption, obviously great. Yeah. Um, Shining, been there, done that. Silver Bullet. I'm gonna recommend this movie. Um, I did a post about it on my blog actually sometime in the past couple years. It's a werewolf movie, but it's from the point of view of kids. Kind of stand by me with a werewolf. Okay. Uh, it's it's fun, Minor King. Okay. If anyone wants again to watch something they maybe haven't seen from his filmography, definitely check that out. Um, Sleepwalkers. <laughs> God, this movie is wild. Okay. Uh, bizarre movie uh, about like cat people um, and a cat mom who can turn into a cat banging her cat's son. Oh wait. 
fantastic thing, right? Yeah, yeah. fantastic Minor King. I've it's seen this. So trashy and so fun uh, and ridiculous. Yeah, this movie is fucking ludicrous. Stand by me. I've uh, been there, done that. Yeah. Suffer the little children. I don't know what that is. Me neither. Um, from. Oh, it says to be determined. I guess that's a new one. What? Um, well, I searched for suffer the little children, and what came up is teaching of Jesus about little children. <laughs> Sick. I just got six to midnight, my friend. Um, Here we go. It's a short story by Stephen King, first published in 1972 in a magazine, I believe. Oh, wait. Later published as part of the collection Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Um, King has stated that the story reminds him of the works of Ray Bradbury. Interesting. It's about a first grade teacher and, and people die. Okay. Cool. Thinner. One of my favorite 90s King movies. It is the king of the pulp of 90s King movies. It is one of the trashiest and most epic King movies. It's about a guy who uh, gets a gypsy curse thrown on him for being a dick, uh, where he loses weight every day. Uh, he goes from being a big fat dude down to being a like monster, like a skeleton monster. Um, it is a hilarious Sam Raimi Evil Dead esque bizarre uh, '90s film, and a great uh, Minor King book that is just crazy. Um, and super gory and fucking really interesting. Um, <laughs> thinner is a guilty pleasure classic. I'd say biggest guilty pleasure on this list for me would be Thinner. Okay. Um, may not connect with you. I have a lot of nostalgia linked to it, but um, hilarious movie. It is just the conceit. It's basically like it's like Shallow Hal, like the horror movie version of like something <laughs> like that. It's like weight loss, but it's like harrowing weight yeah. loss, not like normal. It's like disgusting, and it's not played as a comedy, but it's so goofy yeah. and crazy that it kind of comes off that way. And it's just a funny movie. Um, I wouldn't be able to rate it because it's too guilty of a pleasure. And then uh, fourteen oh eight, nice, which we both like, yeah. and nineteen twenty two, which is a the new James Netflix. James Franco, John. No. No. That's eleven twenty two sixty three, uh, which is a TV thing, which okay. is why it isn't on this list. Um, Nineteen twenty two is a movie that was a Netflix direct movie, uh, the same year that Gerald's Game came out. I don't think I saw it, or maybe I did. I'm not sure, but it looked like it was pretty good. Um, uh, maybe in the you know in the feedback, people let us know if they like that one. <laughs> um, and then finally, just to talk about uh, really quick some King TV adaptations that are worth watching that, you know, maybe you or our listeners hasn't seen. The Dead Zone. Castle Rock, obviously, I've been going crazy about on this podcast before. Um, it's like the J.J. Abrams-produced uh, Stephen King show that takes place in one of the two fictional cities in Maine that all of his books take yeah. place in, and characters come in and out of it, and references to Cujo and all sorts of things in and out, to The Shining, in and out. Uh, all the places and things from Stephen King movies exist in this town, uh, and it's about people like living in that town and what they do with it. And it was really good. Uh, anchored by Bill Skarsgård from It, Pennywise the Clown from It as the bad guy who was fantastic in this. Um, highly recommended. Uh, and then there's schlocky TV series that I used to really like from King, uh, Rose Red, which he wrote as an original for the TV, um, which is a haunted house 90s miniseries that if you haven't seen that in any of those terms make you hard you should check out um storm of the century which was a also direct to tv 
writing. He wrote the teleplay and then actually published the teleplay. You could buy it and read it. Um, that was a great miniseries about basically like a demon or, or the devil that comes to a town in Maine as it gets covered with like the biggest snowstorm in history. Uh, basically trying to steal all the children like Pied Piper style. Okay. Uh, really like that. Called Storm of the Century. Great Maine accents and Boston accent type, you know, New England yeah. accents throughout. Um, uh, how do you like them apples? Yeah. <laughs> the Tommyknockers uh, uh, starring Jimmy Smith's. Um, the Tommy Knockers <laughs> is one of my favorite King books. Um, is he a cop? No, I've never no. seen Jimmy. He's Schmitz a drunk. Not be a cop. He's a drunk uh, and an author. So Stephen King, uh, at that time, Stephen King said it's his least favorite book he's ever written. It's one of my favorites of his. I don't know why he hates it so much, but it's basically it, but aliens instead of a clown. It's a town and all of its characters being affected by an alien invasion that's triggered by one of the residents in the town digging up a UFO in their backyard. And it causes radiation that drives everyone in the town insane and causes them to do very alien things. And it's a really cool King book. Um, the adaptation is terrible with Jimmy Smith's. It's, <laughs> it's garbage, but if you've read the book, it's worth watching. Um, the Langoliers, one of the most famous King TV adaptations. Have you ever seen The Langoliers? Uh, digital monsters that are like crunching the environment like around an airplane. You haven't seen that? No. Uh, that's really funny uh, and a good one. Uh, the Stand obviously we had we didn't really talk about um i've never read the stand i've only seen parts of the miniseries i'm saving it for the new adaptation that's coming out and i'm going to read the stand finally for the first time in my life it's the biggest king book and i have yet to tackle it it's the biggest gap in my king library yeah uh that people would call me out for so i'm ready to do that because they're adapting that right now into a two-part movie is uh the one about the plague right Sort of, yeah, but it's also like Lost, where it's like good yeah. versus evil. Um, Kat, that's the only one that she's read, and she always recommends it very highly. And uh, I think that brings us to the end of our adventure, and I'm going to end this one by saying what the worst, in my mind, Stephen King adaptation for movie or TV was. Uh, the most egregious, foul, pornographic misuse of a book uh, and an adaptation I've ever seen the furthest from the book and the worst way you could ever handle any material at Cemetery 2019 which was no <laughs> that, that is a prayer compared to the TV show Under the Dome um, okay. which adapted one of the more compelling later New Era King books um, which is an insane story about a dome that suddenly drops over a town um, and the residents basically all go insane under this dome and can't figure out why there's a dome. The answers to why there's a dome are really cool and really fascinating and heady, cool King ideas, which he kind of was bereft of for a while up until he wrote that book. Uh, the show is one of the biggest abortions of, <laughs> of uh, the TV screen that has ever happened, and I hope that everybody who was involved in that show suffers a terrible death. Wow. And with that, folks... When did it come out? Uh, the show mid 2000s like in recent memory it probably ended three or four years ago 58th book published by King mm-hmm. he's on it it's a lot of books it's a fucking lot just gotta write a page a day cool uh, maybe that sounds interesting to me Under the Dome maybe I'll read that it's a really good one dude okay. that's that's good new King cool. Um, alright people I uh, hope that was informative and, and fun for you as it was for me yeah um, so we still haven't seen a movie that we both like. No, yeah, dude, everything we watch is shit, but I love talking about it. Yeah. This was, uh, I'm glad there was, like, this whole breadth of, uh, Stephen King shit to talk about because 
I was getting fucking sick of talking about Pet Cemetery real quick. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some comments, which, you know, would be great. And uh, we will see you soon. Um, I don't know what our next episode is, but... Um, the mystery will uh, unveil itself, I'm sure, soon yeah. enough. Maybe the new Quentin Tarantino film. We'll see what our schedules Maybe. look like. It comes think. out very soon. Well, next time I'll at least... Be, I'm sure I'll have a lot to say about the Lion King movie. Oh, God, yeah. You need to head up with that one. <laughs> You're going to hate that movie. Yeah, for sure. I hate it, and I haven't seen it. Yeah. Okay, people. We could have seen Aladdin. Just remember that. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Okay, wow, that was delayed. You gotta work on your reaction time there. It was muted. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Baby!